This morning, our scripture reading comes from the book of Daniel. It's in the Old Testament. We're going to be reading from chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 8 through 17. I invite you to follow along with me. Daniel decided that he wouldn't pollute himself with the king's rations or the royal wine, and he appealed to the chief official in hopes that he wouldn't have to do so. Now God had established faithful loyalty between Daniel and the chief official, but the chief official said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my master, the king, who has mandated that you are to eat and drink. What will happen if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other young men in your group? The king will have my head because of you. So Daniel spoke to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Why not test your servants for ten days? You could give us a diet of vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance to the appearance of the young men who eat the king's food. Then deal with your servants according to what you see. The guard decided to go along with their plan, and he tested them for ten days. And at the end of ten days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard kept taking away their rations and the wine they were supposed to drink, and he gave them vegetables instead. And God gave knowledge, mastery of all literature, and wisdom to these four men. And Daniel himself gained understanding of every type of vision and dream. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, Father, as your scripture has been read to us this morning, and as it is being proclaimed, I ask that your Holy Spirit will continue to to reside here with us, to translate the meaning of this word into our lives, that we can take something home today that will transform us into the very image of Jesus, who is our Savior. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So whenever I was a kid, we didn't go to the movies very often. It, It was a big deal if we did. We usually would go if it was someone's birthday or if someone had done something really cool like made the A honor roll or something along those lines. We, we went to celebrate by going to the show. Now the closest movie theater to us, I was raised in Muleshoe, it was in Clovis, New Mexico and is about 30 miles from us. And, and so it was a special big deal when we headed over there to, to watch the show. Now there was a difference in the summer though. Things changed up a little bit there in town because even though the movie theater on Main Street in Muleshoe had closed down long before I had ever been born, we did have an old-fashioned drive-in theater right on the outskirts of town. And there really wasn't much to it when you got out there. It basically sat in the middle of a cow pasture. It was dusty and it was weedy, and you didn't really want to eat anything from the concession stand unless you were willing to contract hepatitis A. And instead of showing those very first-run movies, the, the popular shows that were in the cities, we actually got movies that were several years old. If we were lucky, they were only three years old. Sometimes they were as many as five and six years old. And it only cost $3 per car to get in, so we were actually able to go to the drive-in fairly regularly. So you see, it was in that dusty old drive-in theater where I was first introduced to the very first superhero I had ever heard of in my life. I'll never forget sitting there in the back seat of my parents' Chevy Blazer when all of a sudden this bold red S showed up and flashed across the screen. And the S was outlined in this bright yellow. 
And I was absolutely enthralled by this story that was playing out before me. There was this baby boy who was born on a dying planet, and he was shipped across the galaxy by his parents in hopes of saving his life. After he landed on Earth, the the boy grew up in a rural farming community just like the one I was living in. And he was different from all the other boys in town. And he knew it, and they knew it. And when he grew into a man, Clark Kent, he became nothing more than a nerdy journalist. He wore glasses, and he wore lame suits, and no one in the big city ever expected him to do anything. He he was somewhat quiet and reserved, and if he spoke at all, no one ever listened to him. And so Clark, he was always that half step behind everyone around him, but not Superman. When Clark Kent ripped his shirt open, he revealed his true identity. And you better watch out. Something serious was about to happen. And people would listen to Superman, and and they would pay attention, and they would begin to behave themselves when he was around. He was fighting for truth and justice in the American way. And Clark Kent, he was this unexpected hero we all called Superman. Now, the fascinating thing is that there are unlikely heroes in all walks of life, aren't there? including in the stories of our faith, the stories we read from our scripture. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of those stories, these, these men and women, people who, who no one expected anything from, and yet, and yet they charted a course and made faith tangible for all the rest of us. So our first hero is best known for hanging out with his feline friends, isn't he? In that lion's den. But Daniel, he was actually a hero long, long before he was ever fed to those lions. Daniel's story, it begins after that Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. He, he raided Jerusalem in 605 B.C. And Daniel, along with three other Jewish men, they, they were set aside, set aside by the king in order to learn and to grow, and most importantly, to serve right there in the king's palace. And their training was supposed to take a total of three years. Three years of learning the Babylonian language, three years of understanding Babylonian culture, and three years of learning and training in the knowledge of that Babylonian religion. Now, it's fascinating when you read this story. Daniel actually went along with all that, didn't he? He he went along with most of what his captors were wanting him to do. He didn't fuss when they required him to go to three more years of school. He, he didn't cause a scene whenever they told him that he was going to be a servant. And he didn't even fight them whenever they said he would have to change his name. His name that was a Jewish good name to this Babylonian name, Belshazzar. But he did draw a line in the sand. He refused to eat the food that they were providing to him. We're told that the king assigned these young men daily allotments from his own food and from the royal wine. Now, the thing is, Scripture doesn't explain to us why. We we don't know why this is where Daniel decided he needed to draw the line in the sand, why he made his stand here. Some scholars, they they tell us that he refused to eat because it would be idolatrous to eat the food that had had been sacrificed in this pagan culture to a different god. And other scholars say, no, that wasn't it. It it was because Daniel was Jewish and food and wine, meat and and wine was, they were food that were served in banquets that celebrated the downfall of Jerusalem and Daniel's own people, so he couldn't eat that food. 
But regardless of why, we are told that Daniel refused to pollute himself with the king's food and wine. Instead, we're told, he chose to remain pure. Now, remaining pure in a foreign land, surrounded by a very different culture, it meant that that line had to be drawn, didn't it? He, he couldn't completely assimilate himself into this new home. He must remain set apart in some particular way as he lived in exile. And while it was a social statement, it, it more importantly was a spiritual statement from Daniel. Now, I've discovered something, church. When you and I least expect it, and many times from the most unlikely source around us, God's grace begins to flow. God's grace, it, it intersects our lives in ways that we would have never been able to imagine it before. And so in this case, God uses the Babylonian chief official in order to raise Daniel up into this unlikely hero status. Look carefully there at verse 9. It says, Now God had established faithful loyalty between Daniel and the chief official. Now it's clear to us that God is intervening here, but what's not clear is what's actually happening behind the scenes. You see, what's actually happening here is, is that God is showing Daniel something called hesed. Everyone say hesed. Very good. Y'all are Hebrew scholars already. I'm proud of you. Good job. You see, Hebrew, or hesed is a Hebrew word. And generally, when you're reading your scripture in the Old Testament, it's translated in your Bible as favor or compassion. But really, it goes much deeper than that because hesed is closely tied to the people or even entire nations of people who keep their faith in God. And it means that God will continue to be these people's provider. He's going to be their protector. He's going to... He's going to deliver the people, his people, from whatever their enemies have in store for them. He's going to protect them. He's going to restore their fortunes when others try to destroy them. And it always comes from God's great mercy. And so God has said it comes to Daniel. And it comes through this chief official when he reluctantly agrees to Daniel's request. So for ten days... For 10 days, Daniel and his companions, they eat only the seeds and the fruit and the vegetables, and they drink only the water, and they avoid the king's food and wine. And then after those 10 days are up, these Jewish men of faith, they're, they're physically stronger, better built. They're clearly healthier than those who didn't avoid the king's food. By remaining faithful to God, you see, Daniel, he becomes this unlikely hero that we can learn from. Uh, as an unlikely hero, he, he teaches us this important lesson. So while Daniel, he's out there avoiding real food and wine in order to live out his life of faithfulness, you see, you and I, we are also faced with the king's food and wine, aren't we? Every single day in our own lives. And so we too have to draw that line, don't we? We, we have to draw a line between what we will do and what we won't do. Because... We're exiles, church. We're exiles living in a foreign land because we now live in the kingdom of God. And as the people of the kingdom of God, we have to understand what we need to do. Peter says, that, says it this way. He says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. 
But there's a problem this morning, isn't there? It's not as clear for us as it was for Daniel, is it? It's not as clear to us what exactly the king's food and wine are in our daily life. So what do we have to do? We have to be faithful and allow the Spirit to lead us in this. We, we must examine ourselves. We have to see where we should be the, drawing this line. The, the things in our lives that are drawing us away from God and into total assimilation with the world around us. Just like Daniel, we are the people of faith, aren't we? And when we became Jesus followers, that's when we became these exiles. So in this foreign land, what are the king's food and wine? There are some things that we can participate in, and that's okay, isn't it? And there are certain behaviors that are perfectly fine that our neighbors do that we can also do. And there's even some purchases that we can make that's perfectly okay. But then there's also those things that we can't do, that we shouldn't do, that we shouldn't buy. And so we have to remember that our Christian life is always a life of resistance. It's a life of following Jesus Christ and remaining steadfast in the faith that we all have. Now here's the thing, though. The church has historically made a huge mistake here. The church has tried to tell us exactly what this stuff is. They've tried to tell us what we can't do, like dancing or drinking alcohol. But you see, it's not my place to tell you those things. It's not my place to tell you what the king's food and wine are in your own life. And it's also not your place to tell anyone else what they should or should not be doing. It's up to us to have enough faith. It's up to us to have enough trust in the Spirit of God that we can seek out the Holy Spirit's discernment for ourselves. We have to be willing to allow the Spirit of God to to convict us of what it is that we should be avoiding without worrying about what everyone else is doing around us. And you know something? Many times this food and wine coming from the king, well, it tries to disguise itself, just like it did with Daniel. It tries to disguise itself as a necessity when in reality it's not. And so Daniel's resistance, it it made him this physically stronger person, didn't it? But it actually went further than that if if you pay attention to what's going on. Listen again to this last verse of the reading. God gave knowledge, mastery of all literature, and wisdom to these four men. And to Daniel, well, Daniel himself gained understanding of every type of vision and dream. You see, it's there from God's said. It's because of God's grace and Daniel's faithfulness that, that Daniel became this great hero of our faith. This unlikely man, this unlikely hero who, who was captured in battle, a man who probably should have been killed for resisting the king's orders. He goes on to greatness, doesn't he? He goes on to interpret visions and dreams. He's a man of God who is able to bravely face the lions there in the den and and the evil men who tried to trap him. He remained faithful and strong in the Lord until his very last breath. So that's our call too, isn't it, church? Our call to faithfulness means that we too must be people of resistance. It requires us to think through our own approach to how we live life every single day. 
So like Daniel, we won't be defiling ourselves with the king's food and the king's wine, but instead we are remaining pure. And when we do that, church, God has said his, his provision, his protection, his mercy, it will rest on all of us just like it did with Daniel. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, may the peace and love of Jesus rest on your hearts. Amen.